This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. The legal information presented on In Legal Terms is meant to provide general information about the topics discussed and is not necessarily the opinion of Mississippi Public Broadcasting. The information conveyed does not create any type of attorney-client relationship. Please consult an attorney provider before making any decisions about your specific legal questions. Welcome to In Legal Terms from MPB Think Radio, the show all about you and your rights. I'm Liz Gill with Professor Richard Gershon of the University of Mississippi School of Law. Hello, Professor Gershon. Good morning, Liz. It's uh, this. This is going to be a fun show. We, uh, you know, Monty Python used to say, "And now for something completely different." And we've been talking about uh, the law during COVID, but since people have pretty much watched all of Netflix and Amazon, now it's time to start talking about reading. And so we have uh, an opportunity to talk about some great law books today with Courtney McCreary. Really happy to have her on the show. Yeah, I don't know that any of these are beach reads, but uh, Courtney, thank you so much for for joining us. Tell us a little bit about uh, yourself and your background. Uh, Sure, and thanks for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Uh, So I was born and raised in Mississippi. And graduated from Mississippi State University with a degree in English. Um, I've always known that I, I really wanted to do something with books, but, you know, I didn't really know what that was. So after college, I started applying to jobs, and I found an opening at the press, uh, and it was the uh, marketing assistant. And at first, I was really kind of hesitant to take it, you know, because I thought to myself, I don't know anything about marketing, but, you know, I figured it's at a publishing company. That seems cool. So uh, I I applied and I got the job, and nine years later, um, here I am, the publicity and promotions manager, uh, which is really just a fancy way of saying that I am the publicist for the press. Well, it's great, and it's great to have you. And, uh, and you know, the University Press of Mississippi has, has published lots of books about the law and about true crime. And so can we start the conversation with a, a, a couple of books written by a former prosecutor and adjunct professor at our law school, uh, John Hallman, who was also uh, not a neighbor of mine, I will admit. And uh, he uh, was the, with the Washington Post. He did he really a, a, an amazing guy. He wrote uh, about wine and travel with the Washington Post. But can you tell us a little bit about his books from Midnight to Guntown and Return to Guntown? Yeah, so um, like you said, John Hallman was a courtroom lawyer for um, over 40-plus years, and these two books really recount the stories of his uh, most amazing and exciting trials, really. Um, They focus on uh, bank robberies and corrupt politicians and hired hitmen and terrorism. Um, uh, and Midnight to Guntown is the first book. The second book is Return to Guntown. Um, and, and the main difference between the two books uh, is really the focus. While Midnight uh, focuses more on the, you know, the bank robberies and the corruption trials, um, really kind of the heavy hitters or, or the more famous criminals and, and trials in Mississippi, uh, Return focuses on uh, less famous characters and more on scams and frauds. And, and personally, those are kind of my favorite true crime. So I'm a really fan of a return to good town. Yeah. Apparently he's got like a lot of good stories. Uh, I've actually read, uh, read, uh, uh, midnight from midnight to Guntown Cause I was at a reading that John did, uh, here in Oxford, um, at square books. But, um, you know, there's some great stories about con, con artists, which I also like. So, uh, you know, it's a really interesting book. Now are all the stories true? 
uh, every word of them. <laughs> uh, they definitely fall into that category of uh, truth is stranger than fiction, which is why I find them so fascinating, really, that, that these things actually happened. And m- most of his stories like happened here in Mississippi. This morning, we are talking about law and true crime books with University Press of Mississippi's Courtney McCreary, Publicity and Promotions Manager. Uh, Professor Gershon, what was one of the stories from the Midnight to Guntown that uh, you felt, I don't know, was uh, interesting or educational? Yeah, I always like to be prepared in case something goes wrong, so I kind of like to hear about things that go wrong so I can be prepared that it doesn't happen to me. Well, well there are, I mean, there are a couple of stories. I, I, you know, I, I, and, and you're going to ask me by name, and I don't really remember because there are a lot oh, of no, good no, stories. Just, in the, just uh, uh, but, generally. But they're, they're, I, I think the ones I like are where, you know, the, the criminals are really, really uh, only more clever than by half than they think they are. And, you know, and so John uh, talks about some of the, uh, the cases he dealt with with people who were not uh, really very clever and, and got caught up in things that they shouldn't have gotten caught up in. And, of course, he ends up having to be uh, involved in prosecuting them. So, but, I mean, from a lawyer's perspective, what I really like is the, how how authentic everything he writes about, uh, the trial, his experience in the trial. Uh, John taught. Um, our students were lucky to have him teach a trial advocacy class here. So, you know, they, they learned from the best. And so it's really just his, you know, just the approach that he takes. There's a lot of humor in the book. Um, and so, you know, I think I think it's a really good read. It's one of those things that you know they're not they're they're relatively short stories about uh, about uh, true crimes, and uh, and I think he does such a good job telling the story. Uh, he is he, he really is an amazing storyteller. Um, if you have everyone, anyone who is listening who knows John knows that's true. Like I said, he you know he was the, he was the uh, the wine writer uh, for, for the Washington Post for years. Uh, you know, just a really interesting guy with a with a, an amazing background, um, and we're lucky to have him as a resource here here in Oxford. Courtney, um, you know, Richard mentioned that he knew the, this author. A, a number of your authors are Mississippians; some aren't. So, you know, they may be neighbors of of people or coworkers of people. So, the the press doesn't just publish Mississippi authors. Uh, no, uh, I mean, of course, we like to, uh, you know, we consider ourselves, you know, the publisher of Mississippi, but we're open to any author. I mean, we have several international authors. You know, I have to say, I, one of one of the other authors we don't we're not we don't have him on the list to talk about today because this is much more about being an undercover police officer, uh, and that's Charlie Spiller's book. But Charlie also lives in my neighborhood, uh, and he has a great book about his his work as an undercover agent. Uh, he's a former Marine, and you you also have his book. And you, could you tell us about that title? I know I didn't put it on the uh, on the, the Confessions list. of an Undercover Agent. That's the one. Uh, yeah, that uh, uh, like you said, he's a, a former underca- undercover agent, and uh, there's just something about undercover agents. That's what I found out uh, promoting his book. Um, but like John's, it, they're just kind of a, a collection of his uh, true stories about when he was an undercover cop, um, and they're they're really great. Like to think, and like I said, he's been a, a portion of his time in in Louisiana, New Orleans, but uh, the rest of his career was spent in Mississippi, and it's just kind of 
crazy to think that all of this is happening like here in Jackson. I, I know one story he talks about like him and another agent were playing a married couple here in Jackson. Um, and it was some kind of drug, uh, a drug lord they were after. And uh, it's so crazy to think that, I mean, were they at the Kroger that I go to? You know, like it's, it, 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 they're great, thrilling stories. And if you meet, meet Charlie, I mean, you have no idea that he was ever an undercover agent because he's one of the nicest human beings you'd ever meet, you know, and, and then you see in the book, you see him in, you know, in disguise and hear that he, he had to interact with drug lords and people like that. So that that's another one that I think is, is a great read. It's not so much on the on the legal side as the as the law enforcement side, but a great book. Well, maybe some of these are great beach reads. Uh, I wish I were going to that beach. Maybe maybe, maybe I can. We're going to continue our discussion of the law and true crime list of books from the catalog of the University Press of Mississippi. Hey, what does the press and MPB have in common? I'm going to tell you next. You're listening to In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. This is Larry Morrissey with the Mississippi Arts Commission. I'm one of the hosts of the Mississippi Arts Hour, the arts interview show on Think Radio. We talk with visual artists, musicians, writers, as well as people who help bring the arts to their communities. We hear about how each artist learned their craft and get some insight into their creative process. You can hear the Arts Hour every Sunday at 5 p.m. on Think Radio or listen anytime by subscribing to the show through your favorite podcasting app. is in legal terms. Now, not everyone has a chance to listen to our show live. If you've missed any of our program, you can listen to the whole show at inlegalterms.mpbonline.org. It's also available on the MPB Public Media app, as are all our local shows. I'm Liz here, Liz Gill here with Professor Richard Gershon from the University of Mississippi School of Law. We want everybody to celebrate that both Mississippi Public Broadcasting and the University Press of Mississippi are celebrating their 50th anniversaries this year. Unfortunately, I know I think both organizations had lots of parties planned around the state. Uh, maybe we'll be celebrating 51 years all over the state with some parties next year. We'll, we'll see about that. This morning, we're talking about the press's law and true crimes list they publish with its publicity and promotions manager, Courtney McCreary. Well, Courtney, there's there's so many interesting books that you would you know when we were going through the list of uh, which books to talk about. Obviously, with an hour, we couldn't talk about all of them. But you know, one of the the books that I'm interested in uh, is The Last Lawyer, um, and it's by John Temple, and it deals you know with something near and dear to the law school's heart, which is uh, innocence. 
and and you know the work done for, for trying to prove someone that is uh, that is innocent that has been convicted of a crime. Uh, um, I didn't say that very artfully, but we have the Innocence Project here uh, that does such great work. So tell us a little bit about the last lawyer and about John Temple. Um, John Temple is author, journalist, and professor of journalism at uh, West Virginia University, uh, and he was really interested in this lawyer by the name of Ken Rose, uh, who has spent 35 years fighting death penalties. Um, in fact, this book is a little bit older. It was written in 2009, uh, but when it was written, uh, Ken Rose had handled more capital appeals cases than almost any other attorney in the country. Um, and Kim Rose himself was interested in, in being a part of this book. Uh, he was intrigued by the idea um, of a book that tracked a capital post-conviction case from the lawyer's point of view. Um, so basically what's happening in this book is that Temple is uh, telling uh, a specific story. It's a decade-long defense of Bo Jones, uh, who was a North Carolina farmhand convicted of a murder in 1987. And Temple uh, literally is following them around. Um, he got to interview several people. He's spending days and even years with this team um, as they kind of deal with setbacks and small little victories. And um, But the deal of the book was uh, he wasn't allowed to publish it until um, Bo Jackson's case was over uh, because they didn't want the book interfering with the case in any way. Well, that make, and, and that that makes sense. And in fact, there there are ethical uh, restrictions on a lawyer, or uh, you know, getting publicity about a trial before it's going on. Um, but yeah, it's it's not as I said. We have the Innocence Project here. Tucker Carrington, who who heads the Innocence Project for our law school, has been on the show before. It's such important work, and uh, you know, such an interesting story. Uh, anytime you've got uh, someone who has been convicted wrongly and, and on death row. So a uh, very interesting story. Now, what about um, if I'm a lawyer and, and, uh, and I want to publish a book with the university press, or if I just want to write a book for the university press, how does that, how, how do, what do you look for when you, when, you, when you look to publish a book of any kind? Well, simply put, we're just looking for a well-written, great story. Um, we're looking for something that piques interest, um, and, you know, we, we typically don't acquire directly in legal studies, but what we're looking for are regional stories, stories that really represent the people and culture of Mississippi. Um, another aspect, too, of the acquisitions process is, is we're looking for a story that may have been overlooked or has never even been told before. Um, in fact, if someone is interested in writing a book, I suggest one of their first steps is to do some research about their topic uh, to see if that book already exists. Um, if a book on that topic does exist, uh, what's something new that they could say or what can they add to the uh, conversation of that scholarship? Like, is, is there a hole in that scholarship? Can, can they provide some something new, some new aspect to it? Well, how does the process work? So once they... Once somebody decides they want to write a book, do they do they reach out to you and say, here's my story, or do they send you a completed manuscript, or how does that work? 
Um, well, not really, not always a completing manuscript. Um, so basically what you'll need at minimum is a proposal. Um, and you can submit that to the press. Um, in fact, uh, all of our submission information is on our website. Uh, there's a nice FAQ section that has instructions and formatting information and uh, contact information because we have several editors who all kind of um, acquire in different subject areas. So depending on what your manuscript is, it, it'll go to a specific editor and um, that information is there on our website um, and really anything that you would need to know uh, to submit to us. Uh, and then basically, once uh, that ball kind of gets rolling, um, we'll probably ask for the manuscript later down the line, and there'll be some internal reviewing. And uh, we'll also uh, have your manuscript uh, reviewed by um, readers who are, who are basically like e experts in their fields, uh, and then a final de decision will be made. And yeah, a lot of people are self-publishing books these days. What, what's the benefit of publishing with the University Press? Uh, you get to work with me, <laughs> but no, for real, uh, I am, uh, you have a full marketing department. So when you self publish, you're doing everything yourself. You're editing the book, you're proofreading the book, you're formatting the book. And then when it comes time to sell it, um, you're the person on social media. You're the one trying to book interviews. You're the one trying to get your book reviewed. Um, and when you come to us, uh, we're handling all that for you like we're helping we see authors as partners so every time we publish a book we kind of go into a partnership with an author and we're there to help you um we're all trying to make this book sell and we're all trying to get this book read um and we're all working together on that we're talking about the University Press of Mississippi's law and true crime list of books that they publish with its publicity and promotions manager, Courtney McCreary. Now, Courtney, before we get everyone in the state of Mississippi to mail you their uh, book of poetry or their book of fairy tales or their uh, dystopian future uh, memoir or uh, ideas, uh, you know, with law and true crime, those are all um, factual books. It, are there types of books that the university press doesn't publish? Uh, yes, and thanks for bringing that up, Liz. Uh, we do not publish fiction and poetry. Um, so we are looking for uh, nonfiction books only. Um, and uh, Besides that, like if, uh, if you go to our website, we kind of have the subject areas listed too that that we kind of um, acquire in. So that would be a great place to check before you you know mail us or email us anything. But as uh, state employees, uh, I understand y'all are helpful to citizens of Mississippi. So if I did have uh, the greatest poetry in the world about possums uh you might could give me some guidance on who could publish that uh, we sure would uh, uh like you said we kind of see ourselves as you know the publisher of mississippi we're here to help anyone who wants to um to publish a book uh, we're actually funded uh we're a nonprofit uh, publisher and we're funded by the eight state universities of mississippi uh, partially so and so yeah we're, we kind of see ourselves as shepherds so even if we can't publish your manuscript uh we'd be more than help you ha happy to help you point you in the right direction to someone who could 
Well, and your, I think your mission, like ours, is an educational mission, and and uh, and that's that's what uh, I think it's important for people to hear that the universities around the state uh, and want to encourage this type of authorship. And uh, you know the list that you have of uh, of, of law, just the law and uh, true crime books is is impressive. Um, what are some of the other areas that you that you publish in? Um, well, we uh, publish in history and uh, folklore and pop culture. Uh, we're actually, uh, and this always surprises a lot of people, but we actually have one of the best comic studies lists in the whole entire country um, right here at the University Press in Mississippi. Uh, we like film studies. Um, uh, we do African, did I say African-American studies, uh, civil rights studies, um, and really just uh, we focus a lot on regional books from Mississippi and uh, even into Louisiana a little bit as well. We are talking with Courtney McCreary about law and true crime books from the University Press of Mississippi. So what kind of reading do you like to do? I've got some suggestions from the University Press of Mississippi's list next. South Dining is the show all about the culture of Southern flavor. From fried chicken and collard greens to shrimp and grits and a glass of sweet tea. Subscribe now to the podcast using any podcast app or download our MPB public media app. Listening to In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio, Professor Richard Gershon is our expert host. I'm Liz Gill, and we hope that you'll subscribe to our podcast. There are so many different podcasting platforms. I have an Android phone, so I happen to like Podcast Addict. I think Java's an Apple man, and he already has uh, the Apple Podcast platform downloaded to his phone. But uh, for me, I, da- I went to the Google Store and picked a Podcast Addict. I downloaded it to my phone. I touched the plus, and that takes me to a page to search for podcasts. You can browse by type or you can type in the exact name i knew i was looking for in legal terms so i typed it in the search area it brings up in legal terms and i'm able to touch the photo and then i touch i can subscribe and i'm notified when any new episodes are loaded up we're talking about law and true crime books published by the University Press of Mississippi with our guest, publicity and promotions manager from the press, Courtney McCreary. Now, if you're interested in the evolution of Mississippi's legal system and learning the ways in which the system has changed during the state's first 200 years, you might like A Legal History of Mississippi, Race, Class, and the Struggle for 
for Opportunity by scholar Joseph A. Rainey. But uh, we've mentioned it a little earlier in the show. If uh, the true crime story of an ex-Marine who fought crime as an undercover cop dealing with safe crackers and burglars and members of the mafia and Mexican drug smuggling operations, if that sounds interesting to you, you might want to try Confessions of an Undercover Agent by Charlie Spiller. We do have a phone call on the line. Let's go to Jerry in Madison. Jerry, thanks so much for calling in to In Legal Terms today. What's your comment or question? Okay, this is for Courtney, and it is basically, I think, a two-phase question. First, when and how do authors acquire ghostwriters to help them with their project? And the second part is this from the time of considering cheating in the, in the literary world. Jerry, I didn't quite get the first part. You asked when and how can an author get a ghostwriter. What was the second part? Is this from the pond or looked as in the literary world? Oh, frowned upon or looked as cheating to have a ghostwriter. Courtney, can you touch on uh, those two topics? Well, I, I don't really know that much about ghostwriting, unfortunately. Um, I, we we don't really publish books with ghostwriters, so I don't know uh, publicity-wise, you know, the kind of reputation for that, if it would hurt anything. Um, but I'm sure there, there are a lot of people online um, that could probably offer some help on that. Okay, thanks. Thank you, Jerry. So, uh, Courtney, are your authors, a lot of them, um, are they scholars? I know you're uh, funded by some of the, the university presses. Are they all professors? Um, no, not not necessarily. Um, so I like to think of um, we kind of break books up into mm, two, well, three categories, really. So we have a, a scholarly type of book, um, which kind of are your professors, are your kind of more uh, kind of in-depth uh, surveys of a, of a particular topic. Um, and then you have your trade books, which are uh, kind of general reads. So those are kind of the books that you would expect to find, like when you walk into a, a bookstore. If you go into Lemuria, if you go to Square Books, um, you know, you'll kind of find this book sitting on the shelf. And a lot of times those aren't professors. They're just normal, everyday people. Um, and then you ha also have a, a kind of a book that's a regional book, which um, is kind of uh, in its name. It's it's a book about Mississippi. It's a book about um, the South. It's a book about L Louisiana. And uh, those can kind of tend to be a mix of, of professors or just um, not professors. And, and if I could add, you know, the thing is, don't you agree, Courtney, that every book is really a collaboration anyway? So in terms of ghostwriters being cheating, you know, I, I think it's, for me, it's, it would be wrong to put somebody else's name or my name on a book that uh, that I didn't write. But the truth is, my wife's a copy editor, for example. She uh, works on books, and, and she's a copy chief for, for Gardner Gun Magazine, and she'll take somebody else's writing and, and make it better, you know? And that's really, it's a collaborative effort anytime. Uh, you write something. So to some extent, no, no author's work is completely their own. 
Uh, no, you're exactly right. Uh, uh, and in fact, it, it'll take us at minimum um, to publish a book. So like once you submit a, a manuscript, that, that whole process takes a minimum year to to become a finished book. And that's a lot of the editing and the copy editing that's, that's happening behind the scenes. It's, it's really a, it's a long process. I think, you know, people don't realize uh, – uh, I've talked to people who've written books that that, that you know they, they, the copy editor comes uh, does so much work and the editors do so much work that the book went from being a thousand page book to being a two hundred fifty page book and it's a much tighter better book uh, because of that so uh, you know I wouldn't I don't know about ghostwriters either but I do know that uh, it's very rare to submit a manuscript and just have it accepted as is I think that's almost never happens um, oh, oh no it, it never happens I can assure you of that. Well, let's let's talk about now. Liz mentioned uh, Charlie Spiller's book, and you know, obviously, there's some some books you have about the history of the law, and and those are interesting from a from an educational perspective. But I think what, what, when people read a book, they want something with a little bit of uh, of uh, you know crime to it. If you're going to read a law book, um, you don't unfortunately have too many books that are interesting about tax stories. Although I think there are some. But you know, one uh, one book that that struck me that on your list is the is the one about the Legs murder scandal. Uh, tell us a little bit about the Legs murder scandal by Hunter Cole. Um, yes. Yeah, so uh, basically, I, I really like this book as well because, um, as you said, so many of the books are kind of educational or they're history books or even some like the Charlie Spillers or the John Howman are really part biography because there's someone telling their stories. Um, but I like this one because it is a straight true crime book um and i really like true crime uh so and i say that in the fact that it follows one crime from the moment it happened to the moment it ends um and so so basically uh the legs murder scandal um in 1935 in laurel mississippi a woman named Lita Keaton allegedly shot her mother, chopped her up, and disposed of most of her body in the fireplace, um, except for the bottom portion, uh, and attempting to dispose these remains on an isolated road. Uh, she incidentally left a trail of evidence um, and was arrested within hours of the murder. Um, and Weta was actually referred to as Mississippi's Lizzie Borden. Um, and it really received that kind of nationwide attention case uh, that the Lizzie Borden case had received. Um, and in a lot of ways, the two cases were very similar. They're both very, like, you know, salacious and scandalous because here's this truly horrific crime uh, supposedly committed by a well-to-do young woman. You know, and at this time, people just couldn't believe that a woman was even capable of this type of violence, you know, especially against her own mother. And like the Lizzie Borden case, um, to this day, no one really knows what happened for sure that night. Um, there's still so much mystery left. Uh, and I think that's why people really like these types of true crime stories, because, you know, you, you kind of get to piece together your own theory about what happened. And, and you know, the, the book also covers the trial, uh, which is interesting because, you know, it's one of those things where, like you said, no, I mean, what was really proven at trial? Uh, you know, do we really ever, will we ever really know whether she actually did it or whether someone else did it and made it look like she did it? So that, that, that's a, that makes for a great story. How come we've never heard about that? I mean, I had never heard of the Legs murder scandal uh, until preparing for this show. Um, it seems like that one's come. Maybe, maybe we're, we're getting more used to the idea that, uh, that women can be killers, and that's really kind of sad. But 
Um, you know, why why do you think it's 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 not something that's been as prominent uh, in our in our history? I don't know. I mean, I don't know if it was you know society that that because these were um, kind of well-to-do people, and, and there was a third uh, a third character in this. Um, his name was W. M. Carter, who was Weedus' former boss, and um, uh, it, it was potentially romantic between the two. And so, of course, immediately everyone kind of started accusing him of the crime because Weta possibly couldn't have done this herself, right? And even Weta, the moment her trial started, blamed him for everything. Um, And so he was also uh, a very prominent man in the town. And I don't know if once the trials happened and everything was said and done if if people just decided to politely forget that it happened because these people were so uh, well-to-do in Laurel, but uh, they kind of did. They kind of just moved on from it. Yeah, I think it's probably something people don't want to talk about. You know, by the way, I mean, on, on Money Talks right before this show, they were talking about the fact that a single woman uh, could not get uh, a credit card, and in fact, uh, any woman could not get a credit card without her husband as a cosigner until 1972. So I think our, our, our thoughts about uh, women and their role have, have fortunately changed a lot, uh, not necessarily in terms of, of, of murders, but just in general, uh, that women can do just anything. And so, uh, you know, I thought that was, that was kind of interesting that that was an aspect uh, to this book. We are talking about the University Press of Mississippi's Law and True Crime list of books. Maybe you want to take some uh, for beach reading, or maybe you want a scholarly book to help you go to sleep. Um, we're with, got their publicity and promotions manager, Courtney McCreary, with us, and we have a phone call. Let's go to Sue in Beaumont. Sue, thank you so much for calling in. What's your comment or question today? Well, I have a comment. I used to be coroner of Perry County, and um, there was kind of a, a joke that if you wanted to commit murder, come to Mississippi because you're more, more likely to get away with it in Mississippi. That's just, that was just a, 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 th- a thing that people thought. Oh, uh, uh, more Mississippi uh, uh, rumors, and we're number one. <laughs> <laughs> and because uh, uh, I, I know as an RN working in emergency rooms, I, I've had a case come in where I knew, I knew some of the background. It, anyway, I've come across people I knew they should have been investigated, but what do you do? You're in Mississippi. What can you do? Well, I think that potentially we've got lots of good true crime books then. <laughs> Thanks, Sue. We appreciate you calling in and learning a little bit more about Sue and her background. Thank you. Yeah, that was that was a great call, Sue. We appreciate that. And, um, you know, Courtney, you know, besides uh, like murders and things like that, you're you're you also publish books about uh, financial crimes. And so um, there's to me another interesting book about uh, that kind of crime is uh, Hands in the Till, Embezzlement of Public Monies in Mississippi by James Crockett. Uh, What was that book about? And, uh, you know, it seems still relevant today. Um, yeah, it, it really does. Uh, and, you know, as we mentioned earlier, I, I really like the scam and fraud stories. And I think you mentioned you did, too. So, yeah, I thought this one was really great. Um, it's basically so the author, James Crockett, kind of got this germ of an idea uh, when he read in a 2004 um, 
article in the Corporate Crime Reporter that asserted that Mississippi is the most crooked state in America. We're um, number one. Yeah, <laughs> once again, we're number one. Um, and so Crockett began documenting the work of the Office of the State Auditor. Um, he, so he's kind of looking at their investigations and the cases that uh, brought criminals to justice. And, and even as they uh, work to help kind of change the law that prosecutes these types of crimes, because um, it's my understanding, like up into the early 2000s, that part of the problem was that when state officials embezzled money, um, they also just, they would often just take a plea bargain. Um, so as long as they paid the money back, they basically just kind of walked away with a slap on the wrist and nothing really ever happened to these people. Um, but later a law was passed that created a uh, one-year mandatory prison sentence for these types of crimes. Um, and, and Crockett is kind of chronicling that, that change in the state. It's, a, it's, a, it's an interesting story, you know, and again, unfortunately, you know, we, we just recently had uh, a story of uh, improper use of, of money that was intended to, uh, to go elsewhere, and, and the fact is that we had uh, public officials stealing that money, uh, you know, so it still happens today. Interesting story, and uh, who, tell us, who is James Crockett? Um, James Crockett taught uh, for many years at the University of Southern Mississippi, um, and he actually has uh, uh, two other books on our list about corruption in Mississippi if you're interested in the topic, um, and those are uh, Power, Greed, and Hubris and Operation Pretense, which are all available um, both on our website and online at places like Amazon and also at your local independent bookseller. We love our independent booksellers. We are talking about law and true crime books with University Press of Mississippi's Courtney McCreary, the publicity and promotions manager. We're talking about law and true crime books today, but the press has other type of books also. I'll tell you more next. This is In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. Dr. Nancy Lotridge-Anderson, president of New Perspectives, a fee-only financial advising firm and co-host of Money Talks. For over 10 years, Money Talks has been answering your personal financial questions and sharing knowledge about money management. Money Talks can be heard Tuesdays at 9 a.m. on MPB Think Radio. Podcasts can be found on our website, money.mpbonline.org, or on your smart device's podcasting platform. Thank you for being a part of In Legal Terms. If you've missed any of our program, you can listen to the whole show, inlegalterms.mpbonline.org. It's also available on the MPB Public Media app. And don't forget about our podcast. All of our local shows have the podcast and on and are on the fantastic MPB Public Media app, ooh, where you can also make a contribution to support Mississippi Public Broadcasting. I'm Liz Gill here with Professor Richard Gershon from the University of Mississippi School of Law. 
Now, the University Press of Mississippi has coffee table books with photographs of Mississippi. They publish biographies and memoirs. I love some of the ones they have about uh, famous film stars. And there's also a bunch of ones about film directors. But there are a lot of civil rights books, too. Those uh, civil rights books seem to be flying off the shelves this summer. We are talking with Courtney McCreary, Publicity and Promotions Manager at the University of University Press of Mississippi, and about their law and their true crime books. Yeah, Courtney, one of, one of the books that you know just the title really uh, strikes you, but also the author. I know I know the author, uh, Heroes, Rascals, and the Law: Constitutional Encounters in Mississippi History. That was written by James L. Robertson, and he is a graduate of the Harvard Law School. He served on the Mississippi Supreme Court from 1983 to 1992. He's, he's taught law at the University of Mississippi and elsewhere. Tell us a little bit about that book. Um, yeah, uh, Heroes, Rascals, and the Law, which, which you're right. Like that, That's a great title, right? Um, it, it's 130 years of stories of often just ordinary, everyday people and, and their encounters with powers, protections, or acts of state. Um, anyone interested in, in law, of course, would love this book, but, but really anyone who's interested in Mississippi in general. Um, this book is really a, a history of the state and how these um, constitutional encounters, as the author calls them, really shape the Mississippi that we know today. Um, and, and what I love about it is Robertson makes these stories so fun and lively. So, like, this book isn't just a, a black and white timeline of, you know, every law that's ever been created in Mississippi. Um, but he's talking about the actual people and, and the actual events and, and the story behind why the laws were created in the first place um, from the moment that Mississippi became the territory, a territory up until uh, recent times. You know, it's so interesting. A lot of people think that the law is just a bunch of statues and statutes, I should say, and cases and, uh, you know, and just flat and what makes the law interesting to me is the stories and the people behind the law. Uh, and so, you know, in, in teaching law, you know, one of the things I, that we all try to do is make it interesting by attaching the law to a story. And that's that's what uh, uh, Justice Robertson did in, in his book, as you said. Um, and so I think it's a great way to learn about the law. People, people talk about the Constitution. Uh, they talk about uh, criminal law. They talk about things like that without – you don't have to be a lawyer to really understand some of the stories behind the law. And it will give you an idea of, of really how the law operates. And in this case, it's really how the Constitution operates. So some of the things we talk about on this show uh, do come to life in, in some of these books. Um, so, you know, uh, tell us, uh, you know, is there any particular story from that book that you're that, that you uh, really liked connected with you? Well, one of the things that connected with me is um, uh, so either in I can't remember if it's in the introduction or the prologue, but he, he talks about uh, just how often we kind of have these encounters and how we don't think about them. So like every day I get up and get in my car and the first thing I do is put on my seatbelt, right? And I, I never even think about how that was a law. And at some point in our time that 
something happened that made seatbelt laws a law. Um, and I just think that uh, this book is just full of those types of stories where, you know, here's an interesting story about someone who uh, – who needed a law, a group of people, an event that needed a law for some reason, and, and this is how it came about. Well, we're, right now, you know, we've, we've talked recently about masks. Last week we talked about the, uh, the mask mandate and, and its constitutionality and that type of thing. So it, it's, you know, it's a, it's a growing thing that we have, have this happening all, all the time in our lives. Uh, and you're right, we don't think about it. So, you know, a book like this gives us some context. Um, there's another book, too, that I just want to uh, talk about, uh, only because David Hargrove uh, used to uh, work in our library here at the University of Mississippi School of Law, and he wrote a great book called uh, Mississippi's Federal Courts. This is uh, not one that is, is again, a, a, a page-turner like Charlie Spiller's book or, or, or like uh, the Legs Murder scandal book. Uh, but tell us a little bit about uh, some of these historical books like, like this one. What, what could I learn uh, by reading Mississippi's uh, federal courts? Um, well, this is like a great addition to our list because there's just so much to be learned about Mississippi uh, in the history of its federal courts. Um, and like you said, it, it's great for anyone who really loves, you know, legal history or, or history in, in general. Um, and one of the things that I learned from reading this book is that historians of legal studies um, have spent most of their focus on, on the Supreme Court or, or the courts of appeal. But in recent years, there's been this move in legal scholarship to kind of um, document uh, the comings and goings of the of the lower courts, and at UPM, like as I spoke about a little bit earlier, uh, we kind of move where the scholarship takes us. And um, so this was a book that kind of filled a hole that that we saw in in legal scholarship. Yeah, it's, it's so it's so interesting. I mean, you know, the the courts, the federal courts, work work differently than than the states' courts. And uh, in fact, uh, Judge Michael Mills, I'll put in a plug for him. Our our, our one of our uh, federal judges here in Oxford uh, is an author himself. Um, I don't think he's published with y'all, but uh, he also uh, uh, has taught law and literature here at the law school. But he is uh, a published author and written, written some interesting stories. Um, so, you know, the the judges of the federal court uh, uh, are, are people, too, and they have interesting backgrounds and interesting things to say. But it was, you know, if you want to learn the history of the uh, federal courts, it's, uh, this is a, a great resource. Uh, and David was a, a really great colleague. He's out in Iowa now. Um, so, you know, um, are there other books that we should have had on the list that I didn't put on the list? Someone that that uh, that you are especially fond of? Let's see. Uh, another one I kind of liked is called um, Crooked Snake, uh, The Life and Crimes of Albert Leopard. It's by uh, Lovejoy Boatler. Um, and he's someone and you might run into at Kroger. He lives in the, yes. the Jackson area. Uh, he does. And a fun fact about him, uh, he was kidnapped from his family farm in Grenada uh, by Albert Leopard. So uh, this was like back in the 60s. Uh, and Albert Leopard was an colorful guy on his own um when he kidnapped lovejoy it was actually his fifth time to escape from parchment and would go on to actually escape for a sixth time um and uh 
this was kind of Lovejoy. It's his memoir, but as he grew older and kind of trying to deal with what happened to him as a as a kid, as a teenager, and uh, kind of he kind of felt the need to kind of figure out this guy and figure out um, why he did what he did, and, and he's basically kind of. Um, put together this biography of of this criminal, but in a lot of ways, it's also um, Lovejoy's memoir as well. Well, and some of the books you can tell what they are from the name, but what is Cups Up? Um, Cups Up is a story uh, from George Mulvaney, uh, and so <laughs> another another very colorful character. Um, he was a high school dropout who joined the Navy and then the Klan, um, participated in an armed coup in the Caribbean, went to prison, and turned his life around, um, which is where the cups up uh, term comes from uh, in prison. Uh, and he actually came, um, went on to become the like uh, the guy who was in charge of cleaning up the um, Mississippi Gulf Coast after the BP oil spill. Goodness, and now we've run out of time, but Courtney McCreary, Publicity and Promotions Manager at the University Press of Mississippi, thank you. Thank you for being on the show today. Thank you for having me. That's going to wrap us up for today's In Legal Terms. Java Chapman is the man. He is the man. We just couldn't do this show without him. And Professor Richard Gershon, we could not do the show without you. You host from the University of Mississippi School of Law. I'm Liz Gill here in Jackson, and we hope that you will join us next Tuesday for In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast.